You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell and Matt Adams. I'm Dave Griffiths. We appreciate you all joining in. we got three weeks since the draft right now. Uh, a couple of practices since then. We've had plenty of Colts at team headquarters. One week since the schedule release, which came out pretty soon after our last podcast last week with uh, Joe and uh, Mike put together. Uh, we'll take a look at the status of some, some signings from that draft. Um, there, there's a unique connection between the Colts' uh, top two quarterbacks that, that we'll dive into that we learned a little bit this week from speaking with Gardner Minshew. One of those two quarterbacks. Um, I, I'll say real quick, since I wasn't here last week and uh, Joe and Mike uh, wrap things up, just one more shout out from me to Joe for all the work he did on this podcast for a long time. He was incredibly helpful, and it was really his baby getting this started, a passion project, if you will. And, and now we're off and running with it. We'll certainly miss him. And, and I'm sure you guys, you guys said plenty for that last week. Let him say his goodbye, but I need to get mine in there too. People who listen... They, they see the finished product, but they don't see how it, – it's like how the sausage is made. Mm-hmm. Talk to Jim Irsay about the sausage What he did made. wasn't ugly making sausage, but it made, made it work, and I'm sure Matt will do the same way. So we're, I, I'm just sort of here as a third wheel. But <laughs> Joe, when you make it work, so um, we'll, we'll just continue – continue on and we're glad to have matt here as a uh, more of a full-time uh, participant now i know you've been here from time to time matt but uh, but welcome to a full-time spot on the colts blue zone podcast yeah i always uh, told joe i was kind of the emergency quarterback of the podcast if we needed it and i never just really don't be, be scott tolzine oh, no please no that that would be less than ideal hey the uh, schedule is out for the colts uh, no primetime games this year chap but I know that you can you can mumble and groan about that if you're a Colts fan. But at the same time, you only won four games last year, and nobody knows who your starting quarterback's going to be week one. Nobody knows if you're going to be interesting at all week one. So I, I fully understand why the NFL made the decision they did not to give the NFL not to give the Colts any primetime games. One one thing that that made that a certainty is that the league got rid of the guaranteed Thursday night game. Teams aren't guaranteed that Thursday night game in there. Twice in the last five or six seasons, the Colts' only primetime game was Thursday night. Right. And I would love to have a Colts fan come on and say, we deserved a primetime game because – and not use Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. So it, it's you get what you, you earn. They earned – what is it, 13 1 o'clock starts? Yeah. Well, they put you on 1 o'clock slots for a reason. So – but, this is what you've got to deal with it. Plain and simple, Matt. I mean, like I think if Anthony Richardson comes out and he's strong the first three weeks of the season and he's electric and he's doing some of the things he did in Florida, then sure, the NFL would love to see them in prime time. But we just can't promise that that's what it's going to be next year right now. No, and, and pretty much any time they were put in a national window or a primetime game last year, it was a hard-to-watch kind of national embarrassment. So they did it, – it, it stinks because, you know, Ursay had, had like, get us some primetime games, get us some primetime games. They got them last year. And then they just shot themselves in the foot the whole way. So there's no surprise why it's all one o'clock games pretty much this year. And they won one of those games in Denver. Yeah, and it was so twelve to nine. So one, one of well, why why do we even bring that up? One of the worst <laughs> aesthetic games you've ever seen. But again, the schedule. I've had complaints with the schedule before. Whether Dallas could be could have been four and twelve, and they got. Three primetime games, but that—that's what is Dallas. They would the give Raiders. the NFL seven. They would give the Cowboys seventeen primetime games. Right. If, but if but they it's could. because there, there's a draw, there's interest, but there's a handful of teams: Dallas, the Raiders, probably Green Bay, mm-hmm. and a few more teams. When you're a team in yes, a smaller market, and you're coming off a horrific year. Then what did you expect? Well, the Colts will be in Germany. So you're sending them overseas, the product over there, to face the uh, Patriots. I'm sure plenty of European fans are, are familiar, uh, if you're a football fan, with the, the Colts-Patriots of the mid-2000s. Now, this rivalry, it is not, but uh, but it was really strong at one point. So they'll, they'll try to ignite it overseas, and that'll be a nice, fun, long trip. Uh, if I remember correctly, the last time the Colts were overseas was in London against Jacksonville. They probably lost that game because it was against 30, Jacksonville. 27 because mm-hmm. it was against Jacksonville on the road. Yeah, that's what it is. Like that's what happens. You lose to Jacksonville on the road. So um, let's let's hope for better better luck in in Deutschland. Uh, for the first Colts six games are against AFC South matchups. Uh, Matt, you're going to find out early this year uh, where the Colts stack up in the AFC South because we 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 figure from year to year, you know, like. That the Jaguars are probably on the way up. The Colts are 
not uh, <laughs> not moving up as as fastly as quickly as them as fastly as quickly as them. And then the the Texans and the um, the uh, the Titans are a real question mark, I think, right now. But but anyway, uh, all all that to say, I think after the first six games of the season, you're gonna you're gonna know quite a lot about where all these teams yeah. shake up. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna know kind of the, the pecking order of how things go in the AFC South, and and whether that's you know the Colts at the bottom, which is kind of what I expect, or you know whether it's you know the Colts. Um, at the bottom, which is what I Yeah, expect. exactly. <laughs> it, it better be Houston at the bottom. You would certainly Or hope. this owner is going to be upset. And, and remember last year they had five of seven of their first seven against the division. And right. we said the same thing. Yep. We're going to know where this team is. And they did not take advantage of nope. it. You know, again, I would rather play Jacksonville in the opener right away before maybe they kind of get their act together. I don't Just know. get it done. Uh, but then you're at Houston, and, and it's still it, – it's a, it amazes me that this team was 0-1-1 against Houston last year. They, they were categorically the worst team, and you couldn't beat them. Yeah, that was uh, perhaps one of the more disappointing stats of last year. Is and there you, were a lot of them. There were many. <laughs> there were a is when you were playing them, yes. the worst team in the NFL that, that you could not beat them. And it was only for a, a miracle throw that prevented that team from being technically the worst team in the NFL on your home field the last week of the season. And it's worth noting this is, you know, based on last year's records, this is the fourth easiest schedule in the league, mm-hmm. which is a which is a result of the AFC South and playing the NFC South mm-hmm. with arguably the two worst divisions in football. So take advantage of it. As, as bad as they were last year, and we're not going to rehash how bad they were, they should have won seven, eight games, at least seven without doing anything crazy amid all the chaos. So, you know, stabilize things and, and win early and, and don't get behind the eight ball. And and we'll get into it shortly, but whoever the quarterback is, have him come out and play winnable football, not, not be the reason you're not winning. The Colts will hold joint practices with the Chicago Bears in the preseason, well, ahead of the preseason game that they're playing at Lucas Oil Stadium August 19th. So if you're making your plans right now to head out to Westfield for Grand Park, usually that's Wednesday and Thursday practice. So that would be, what, the 16th and 17th? Of um of August, August I believe, and then the uh, the 18th is that Friday, and then the 19th is the Saturday preseason game. So, um, so the Bears will be out there. Justin Fields will be out there. Of course, there, there are a lot of connections between the Colts and the Bears. Whether it's um, Chris Ballard's time with Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, their head coach. So, uh, it, it's it's a it's a perfect match for both of them. It's a close by. Uh, to just like the Lions were last year, so uh, so it makes sense for for this to be the uh, the group that uh, that plays together here in the preseason. And for so long, this was a Bears hotbed. Very much. I'm so. sure it still to some point is just because of, of the locality. But I, I've said, and I'll always say, the the one the overriding value of training camp away from the facility is fans' connection to their players. You, you get you've been there you, you, they get after practice these players line up by the stands and they spend 20 minutes a half hour signing autographs and you see players up close without helmets and you, you can put a face to the name and to the team and so many play, so many fans can't afford the Sunday experience during the season this is when they can really learn their team so I hope and the last time the Bears were here if I'm not mistaken, the joint work was at the complex for what I can't remember why, but they held practice at the complex, and that's when I think Ryan Kelly broke his foot or something. I, it, these things kind of run together, mm-hmm. but the values is immense, and, and so this is a chance where fans can watch the Colts and they can also watch the Bears. Yeah, yeah, and there's plenty of Bears fans that live up in the region of Indiana that are kind of just between uh, Indianapolis and Chicago that'll maybe come down for for that because i don't know what the, what the bears have in store because i don't think they're gonna have any uh any significant team on team action obviously up in chicago so this is it for them so i wouldn't be surprised to see a, a bevy of navy and orange uh come down for some of these too so like i said make your plans now to be there um if you're uh, if you're thinking of it so and it's it's free i mean the admission yeah. there's, no, there's no there's no charge so it's great 
it, it's it's a, just a great experience for three or four weeks, whatever the time they're there. When the weather is nice, it's great out there. When the weather is baking, it's less than ideal. But uh, th this will be their only home preseason game too, and it'll be the first chance for the home fans to get a look at Richardson. Yeah. So good call. You know that it usually you know if you go to StubHub or a third party place, you can usually get the preseason ticket. You can get it for a real cheap price. You'll probably still be able to do that in some respects this year, but there might be a little more demand than in years past. And, and typically, typically what happens is for these, the starters play a lot in those two joint practices and they don't play as much in the games. With Richardson, if the Colts are grooming him to be a starter, they will give him as many reps as they possibly can, as many as he can take without burning him out. So he could be an exception in this case. But still, when it comes to other starters, like if you want to see guys that are your favorite players, like Shaquille Leonard, knock on wood that he's same, back. Then. See him Wednesday, Thursday. Exactly. Jonathan Taylor, knock on wood that he's fully healthy, and I think he will be by that point. Like, yeah, those guys will be playing on, on, on Wednesday and Thursday. And it, the chances are 0, 0.0 that they'll be playing that weekend in the game. So, Which is odd because that's normally the game, the second game is normally where they play more. You're right. But, but these joint practices have changed the dynamics. And then because then how much you play them in the last game, which would be at Philly. You know, if you've gotten to the Philly game in training camp in relatively good health, you really don't want to get a guy hurt in that third preseason game. No. And like like I said, like the only reason to play a starter would be to play Anthony Richardson and if, if you want him to be your starter reps. and you want him to get reps with starters because I mean that's been that's been a key talking point from the coaching staff right now during uh, during the post draft is to get better he needs reps, period. And for a guy who's only started 13 games in college, that's incredibly obvious. So so that really does beg the question of, of when Richardson is going to start. And I, I think they want him to start week one. I, that would be ideal, that that he's ready enough, although he's certainly not going to be as ready as he will at the start of next year or the year after And that. he won't be as ready as Gardner Minshew is. And that's the question. Like, where is the the gulf? How close does that have to be? To make it happen and that's a question that the coaching staff either has to answer or has to get down on paper or has to have a deep discussion with those two guys whatever it might be because i'm obviously talking to gardner this week also it's the fact that like he he knows i think he knows his place here that uh, his future is uh that richardson's future is he's a placeholder is, exactly he's the steward of the quarterback position right. yeah. that's that's what uh it's supposed to be so um, so, so like I said, I, I think I think that the Colts want to do everything in their power to make uh, make Anthony Richardson ready to start Week One. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's taking a lot of these reps here with the Bears, if he's playing more than usual than we would see in preseason games one and three when they quote unquote don't matter. Um, I, I really think it, we're going to see a lot of him in the preseason, and then and we'll be able to judge. The regular season after we see what he's done in the preseason is what I'm getting at. Yeah, because one thing, and we talked to Minshew yesterday, I, I and I've said, and I really believe this that they've got. I wrote about it yesterday in the website. Is this team's got a really important balancing act of getting both quarterbacks enough reps to be ready for September, and that's hard to do. You want that, you know. Normally, you have the one guy, and he gets the rep. He gets all the reps. You know, Peyton was was notorious for taking all the reps well this is a case just where, ask uh, brock oswald oh there's no question <laughs> it, but, but but you always have to balance you've got to get gardner Minshew ready even though he's had two years in the system just in case richardson's not but then you need to get richardson as many reps as he can get so we'll see practice for the first time next week thursday i think it is uh, because uh richardson was finally with the with with the team on starting this week, whether they practice Tuesday or whatever, but how, how do they how do they balance getting the rookie as many reps as possible while keeping Gardner Minshew getting enough? I, I go back to the uh, and it was it was an aberration, but the year that Jacoby Brissett sprained his knee at Pittsburgh, and he practiced all week, yep. hoping to play. Mm -hmm. And after Friday, they figured out he couldn't. So Brian Hoare goes out there against Miami and was awful. So he had a terrific performance. <laughs> well, but, but what, what would you, what, what would you, what would you expect? He didn't practice. So, you know, I really I agree with you. I think they want Richardson to be the starter. Because if he's not, let, let's say that they say he's not ready. Well, once the season gets gone, September, 
the starter has to take the reps for, for each week. How do you get the rookie X number of reps during a week of preparation for the next game? Because, again, it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's yeah. three days a week, and it's really hard to get a rookie who you think who – you, who you believe is not ready – to be ready, you can't wait till the to the bye week. It's in November for crying out loud. So, I think that I think Richardson Richardson is going to have to prove that he's not ready, and I don't know what that's going to entail because Jim Irsay mentioned they're going to simplify the offense. They're not going to throw everything at this kid. So I really think that Richardson will have to prove that he's not ready, and I don't think that'll be the case. I think he starts. Out of the gate. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm, I'm still kind of rooting for Gardner Minshew to start just so we can continue this streak of st- different starting quarterback week one to, to one more oh, year. But you're going to have that anyway. But then you're going to have. No, exactly. Next year, I mean. Correct. We'll have Gardner oh, yeah. this year oh, yeah. and then, then Anthony Richardson next year. What is year. it? It's seven, it will be seven straight. Yeah, it will be. So and then if, if, Mar- if Minshew starts, then it'll be eight next right. year. Yes, exactly. We, we would hope that it would end. So, yeah, that, that would be ideal. Yes, for sure. Wouldn't it be awful if they just brought Minshew out for one snap to start the season Good. and yeah. replaced like, him? Keeping that string going. <laughs> That's keep, right. Keep it going one more year. That would be funny. Hey, the Colts have signed their third-round draft pick, wide receiver Josh Downs, uh, 79th overall pick out of UNC. Now that makes eight of 12 draft picks have signed. Uh, the outstanding unsigned rookies are Anthony Richardson, uh, Juju Brents, the second-round pick uh, out of Kansas State, the Warren Central product, offensive tackle Blake Freeland, the fourth-round pick out of BYU, and defensive tackle Aditamwa Adibare. Uh, Aditamiwa Adibare. Yes. It's Fourth amazing. How it is. Done that. You go home at night. Boom. Just... Every every night. I say it in front of the mirror. <laughs> say it in front of the mirror. Yeah. I, I had to type his name the other day, and it takes me three minutes to make sure I got everything right because it just looks wrong. You got to be careful. But not like, it, not like years past, Mike. A lot These signings are, are pretty much sets anyway they, like, there's very little wiggle room that there there's some wiggle room but there's very little wiggle room for what players can get there is very specific amounts that the nfl allows uh sam bradford was the last lucky one whatever year that was he was drafted to be number one overall well, it would have been 11 yeah tens or i think luck was the first was he the first rookie pool might have been dozens of millions of dollars 10 or 11 well he was the last big quarterback at least uh, right. bradford was in either 10 or 11, whatever it was. So, like I said, um, the, the the other four, you're not worried about holdouts or anything like that. This is just a matter of get, sitting yeah, down just, and getting things done. Yeah, sign and seal and deliver yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's, uh, that makes, like I said, 8 out of 12 uh, as Josh Downs gets signed. So Gardner Minshew, Anthony Richardson, we've talked a bit about them already, but we'll continue to do so now as we spoke with Gardner Minshew this week. Your first chance to really sit down in front of Gardner Minshew, chap. What were your uh, your initial impressions of the young man? Personable. He really is. He's engaging. And you hope you have opportunities during the season to talk with him. But if you do, that means that the rookie's not ready. Right. So, I, but, but really, it's, it's really a nice change to have a quarterback. And, and I don't mean that as a, to, to be personal and to be outgoing because Matt Ryan was. So that, that's not really the same but but it's different he's he's just got a personality and he was very open about things and it's funny we were talking in the press room he has a story that going into last year he he bought and renovated a prison transport bus and lived in it for like five months and he trained down in florida which he and he and richardson trained together I guess you'd say in Florida this offseason but good guy and more important he's young still young and he's got great experience as a backup as a starter you know it's it's the starter thing is kind of hot and cold because he was six I think he's eight and 16 as a starter but he was six and six in uh, as, as a rookie and it's funny he, he, he was thrust into the, the starting role the second week when Nick Foles, who signed up, I'd forgotten, four-year, $88 million contract, and he lasted like less than a quarter. Yep. So uh, I, I like Minshew. I think he's going to be a good addition. And, again, we, we can talk about it. He and 
Richardson always ha- already have a, a nice little relationship. Yeah, how about building. that? Matt finding out that they they know each other, they have the same quarterback coach down in Florida. They they, they trained uh, for the last three months together, not knowing that they'd be training for the next three months together. I, it's some pretty good synergy. I mean, for, yeah. for the Colts, you, you knew that you know whoever you're going to bring in as your bridge guy was going to have to mentor. The, the new kid in one capacity or another, but since they've already got a connection, that, that'll that make that process easier. I don't think you'll have maybe the the grizzled old veteran jealousy that you might have in some other situations. Well, it's a Tannehill, it was a Tannehill said, well, I, yeah. I'm, I'm not necessarily you know, grooming the guy or whatever it was. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of are. here to teach the Malik Willis right. how to play quarterback, basically. And what was funny when we talked to uh, Minshew, I mean, Richardson brought up as well the previous couple weeks earlier where they were training and the trainer said, you know, or I guess Minshew said, you know, I was thinking this was before he signed with the Colts and before Richardson had been drafted. He said, you know, I'd like to work for, you know, play, play with Shane who came with the Colts and this young quarterback might be in the Colts have number four and this kid might go for So he's thinking, you know, maybe, and here they are. So at least there's a knowledge of each other. And, you know, it's still three months old or whatever, so there's a lot of room to grow. But we were talking with Minshew again and, and the importance of, 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 a, of a happy quarterback room is vital. You cannot have – you've got competition, but you can't have friction. You just can't. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, good, the thing that I found encouraging with this whole thing was that Minshew wants to play with Shane Steichen again, which is great. Like, you're a backup under a guy for a while, and yeah, obviously Jalen Hurts is the starter down there. You're not thinking that you're going to take over, but, like, you are willing to go with this guy somewhere else and not try your hand elsewhere. Like, you have enough confidence in him. You have enough confidence in the scheme that he runs, and you have enough confidence even as the backup that, that you're going to get a fair shake at whatever opportunity you would have in a new place. So I, I thought that was a good – that was just it – was a, it was a telling thing about what Gardner Minshew thinks of Shane Steichen, that he's happy to be with him yeah, again. Yeah, he, he likes Steichen, and then he's familiar with the offense. And, and, again, when you're talking about developing a young quarterback, you've got a guy – that you know they've already got a pre-existing relationship now and then the 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 mentor has a pre-existing relationship with the coach he knows mm-hmm. the offense i think that will really i think that's really going to help and, and Min- yeah M- mittenshu's uh description of how he's like the coach whatever or how he's trying to bring him along i thought was funny it was the uh uh p- put on your mask before uh, assisting others uh like he has to get ready too <laughs> yes because i mean right. he's in the same spot as us we don't know who's going to start week one so he has to be ready to go if at all possible so yeah he's gonna he's gonna put on his uh his air respirator mask or whatever uh before he can help uh the young the young man richardson with his not not saying that he's not going to help him but uh he's saying that like look man this is this is still up in the air right now and it's i need to put it's, in the it's work entirely too. possible that that Minshew plays a significant amount of time for yeah. the colts this year too so he's got to like mike said it's Hard with the reps sometimes to figure out how to how to get that to work, but he still needs them because it's still a new new receivers, new offensive right. line, all that timing and stuff that you still have to get used to. I think so much in free agency is fit in in a player understanding maybe where he fits in the free agent structure. But are you a great fit here? You know, it's a one year deal for three and a half million, so it could very well be that in his mind is okay. I'll go there a year, and you know. Yeah, I know the system. I, I can have a chance to play, and then maybe next year we'll see. So it's, it's about going someplace that you're familiar with and you're a good fit, and maybe and certainly use this experience at Indy to either be a two- or three-year backup here. Who knows? If he plays well and it works and, and he's, I guess, comfortable being a backup, I'm not sure that's what he, he wants to start because all guys wants to, want to start. Mm-hmm. But then play well here, have a good season here, whatever that entails. And next year you, you kind of hit the market again and, and see what your value is. Well, to be honest, us right here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast have been the primary uh, voice of reason behind having the Colts, wanting the Colts to sign a veteran backup quarterback for multiple years in a row. And they haven't stinking done it for several years in a row. You have Carson Wentz bag backed up by Jacob Eason for crying out loud, so that when he has no ankles, he's still going out and playing out there because you have no faith in the next guy. The, the the Carolina Panthers just released Jacob Eason, so well, just like that, Chap opens Twitter and sees that Jacob Eason's gone. What, what, How what fitting! A, what a coincidence! Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, there's like like I said, for multiple years in a row, we've been banging the drum on this you've podcast. Got, you've got you make sure you got. 
eight linemen, you've got five receivers, you've got pass rushers, and because depth, 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 and you got a starting quarterback. Yeah. And when he yeah. goes down, you're dead. Yeah. Well, there, there's the famous quote that we can't utter on this podcast. Oh, the Tom from, Moore. Yeah, the, the Tom, Tom Moore, Moore quote, yeah. yeah. But, 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 but it's appropriate. <laughs> it is. And, and so many years during the Peyton years, one of the problem is they had trouble getting a veteran to come here because, one, he wouldn't practice. Right. And two, he wouldn't play. Yeah. But you've got to have a backup. And if you don't, you're Tom Moore. We saw we saw how valuable the backup that Matt Hasselbeck was to Andrew Luck uh, right here oh, for oh, yeah. for half a decade. Yeah, he, he was he was crucial and, and helped him in, in, incredibly, I thought. And and when he had to play, he was he was more than capable of coming into play. I will never forget the fear in my heart from the AFC Championship game several years back, oh, where, where Peyton, Peyton kind of knocked his hand on somebody's helmet. Oh, he, he was he, working he, it out, and he was over to Jim Sorge. He, lo- he lost ready. he lost a fingernail. And mm-hmm. he told Sorge to get ready. And I'm sure Sorge thought, for what? What? Yeah. What? For, yeah. <laughs> to go in and hand the ball off to Edge, okay, or, or a die, or whoever it was back there at the time. Got yeah. to, you got to have a backup. It, yep. you, you just do it. If you don't, what are you doing? You're in trouble. You're, you're just in trouble. So the Col- Colts at least have, if it's going to be Minshew, they have that now. Or if Minshew's going to be the starter, they have the guy who's, who's in the future. And that's what you have to at that point. Like if, if you're de- grooming that guy at number two, then number one has to be a, a veteran serviceable guy that would maybe be a backup at 10, 12, 15 Correct. other teams in the league. So that's, that's where the Colts are right now. And that's where we see the, uh, the quarterback situation. As we get into uh, OTAs begin very shortly, I believe next week is the first of the, uh, the uh, three weeks of OTA, OTAs, right? The 11 on 11 stuff. I don't think they're I, I think it's I think it's 10, pra- 10 right. on-field practice, including the vet minicamp. Right. And what was I going to say? Uh, I don't think I don't know if they have full pads. I don't. No. No. No I contact. I didn't think so. Yeah. So, but it is. It's at least eleven on eleven. It's almost football. Yeah. Exactly. I was gonna say it's uh, it's TM almost football. Uh, it, uh, it's 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 getting there, but but not quite there yet. We'll we'll have to wait until until preseason and uh, training camp for all that stuff. Um, we had a couple players and coaches speak at uh, media availabilities this week from Colts headquarters. Uh, Reggie Wayne got the chance to talk to him for the first time since uh, since the draft and uh, with with everything the Colts put out with. There with the next pick stuff, we could tell that Reggie Wayne really liked Josh Downs. That was a topic conversation, chap. When you were uh, chatting with Reg this week, for sure. Whenever Reggie talks, you're there. You got to turn on the microphone, I don't, I don't turn on care the camera. If you were going to write about the defensive line, he steers you in another direction. And, and this was this was different. I'm going to write about him tomorrow because this was his first year to really be able to dive in to evaluation. Because last year, he, and I had forgotten last year, he said he got here after the combine. Oh, wow. So he really yeah. didn't have a chance to, when they said, well, what do you think, Reg, about this guy? Well, I don't know. Cause I, I hear he's good. <laughs> yeah, but, but he said he really had a chance to, to dive into these guys and look at their tape. And he said that Josh Downs was on his radar early, early. And then they went to the combine, and he said, he was the best receiver to combine. And I said, you mean the best receiver in his group? He said, no, the best receiver to combine. So I remember how he went to Ballard and said, hey, this guy, you know, watch him and route running and all this kind of stuff. So whenever, whenever a position coach with Reggie's pedigree as a player says, this guy, you listen. Mm-hmm. that Because that that's that's what you do. And if... And you listen to your your coordinators. You listen to your position coaches. And he was he was head over heels with, with downs and and it it's a it's a pick that really needs to work. It's it's a young group. I want Michael Pittman's probably the oldest guy. I believe is that's the case. Fourth, Kiki Kuti, my technically is he still on the roster? I'm not sure he's still on the roster. I was gonna say I think last year he was technically the oldest right. in the group. But but it's a group in. in down sort of complements the outside guys of what he likes to do inside. So, but no, and Reggie talked about how, you know, again, last year he was sort of feeling his way around, and we weren't for sure that he was coming back for year two. He had to interview for the job. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure at some point early that Shane Steigen said, yeah, we want you back. But it's just, it's just that to have a guy in the room as a position coach who did it for a long time, did it for a long time at a near Hall of Fame level. Uh, it's invaluable, and, and 
you talk to any of the receivers and they, they talk about Reggie's influence. So it's always cool to listen to Reggie about what he looks for and how he he likes the room. He likes this. This is a good group. So anytime Reggie talks, you, you, you just need to listen. And, and I'll be more interested to watch them this year because, I, I mean, last year, I'm not calling it a completely lost year for them, but it was not, it wasn't, I don't think, at the same level of, like we've talked about before, Trevor uh, Trevor Lawrence last year in Jacksonville. Because, I mean, even then you see you see spurts from, from him in that one year under, um, what's his face? The Urban head coach, Meyer. Or Urban under Meyer. Urban Meyer, yeah, that guy. Um, but, but last year with just the offense – being able to do so little and either having no protection or a quarterback who didn't have uh, the arm that he had five years ago. How, how do you evaluate the receivers? Exactly. That's the thing. Like, how, how do you evaluate these guys that Pittman two years ago was going deep quite a bit and was was a downfield threat and last year averaged less than 10 yards per reception? It's ridiculous. It is. It's, it's terrible. And, like, I think Alec Pierce showed a couple of good, good, good spurts or good catches, um, showed some potential, but – but this year, hopefully, you think that you you would hope that things would be better uh, with uh, with everything else around the wide receivers to be able to evaluate the wide receivers better and Matt see exactly what what Reggie has done in his really two years now with that group. Yeah, it. it I mean, it, there's just so much like you guys said with last year's team as the receivers. What, what do you even do with them? I mean, there, there's no there's no good tape of, of anything. I mean, it, it stunted a little bit the growth of Alec Pierce mm-hmm. and in the tight ends, Jelani Woods and stuff like that because you just didn't get any consistency from out there in quarterback and offensive line. So you've just got giant question marks everywhere. And I think, I, I do think they have a talented group. I don't think it's like the NFL's most talented group or anything like that, but I think they've got some good receivers. Hopefully they'll be able to put them to good use and develop them some, some more this year. Right. I, I think that they could be dangerous and I think the Downs is a, is a very good addition because like chap said he has a different skill set so if you if you want to attack defenses you need to be able to use different guys to do it because there are very few guys who can do everything the guys who are like Devonte adams or deandre hopkins or tyreek hill who who can run every route that is is in the tree are, are, are very rare and route run them to uh, nfl elite caliber level like you'll ask every wide receiver to know the entire tree yes but you don't want to use every receiver in every group in every position and run every route to to its full effect like you need guys who do things differently who do things better than other guys do and that's what makes the entire room better well remember as, as a rookie they, they they talked about how pierce could do a lot of things but they allowed him to grow outside right and that's that's even though he, he could do slot they weren't outside and this year they say well we know that downs from inside and outside but they're really going to maximize him inside and i, I think it, it's invaluable to a any quarterback maybe especially a rookie to have tight ends and that slot receiver to where if things break down or whatever, your first couple of reads aren't there, you know where your slot guy is, you know where your tight end is. So I think Downs is going to be very, very involved. And if things, again, you keep, you got to get past last year where nothing worked. Yards after the catch, all that. And this kid brings yards after the catch possibilities. So You've got to be somewhat excited and optimistic that things will be different this year in the pass game. Yeah, the, the one question that I have about how much downs will be on the field, because like, I'm leading your way that he's going to be used a lot, but also I don't know how much he can run block right now, being a 5'9", 170-pound guy. And I think that this team is going to run the ball a lot, especially when Anthony Richardson is out there. So, uh, so it depends on how tough he is there and how much they want to maybe use maybe him. Maybe he's a third-down like, guy. I was going to say, if it's RPOs and they're having him out there, like I, I get that too. Or he's out there as a third-down guy for sure. Like, I, I think he will have a role. I just don't know how big it will be exactly We're, we're going to see more two tight end. Yeah, I think so. We just will. Mo Alley and Jelani out there. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Right. Mm-hmm. I assume those I mean, two. You, you would hope so. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but it, it's but but they've got options. And, and, and again, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they tailor this offense to what the quarterback can do. And they're going to tailor it initially to Richardson and then adjust as they need to if it's, if it's Minshew. Yeah, we, uh, we spoke about uh, Gardner already a little bit. If there's anything else you wanted to add from his availability, that's cool at any time. But Dio Adangbo also out there this week, um, entering now his third year in the, uh, in the NFL. Uh, of course, the first year was kind of stunted at the beginning by his uh, Achilles tendon injury that he was healing. Um, came in and did a few things here and there last year did a few things here and there like you 
you would hope for more for from Dio this year if, if you really want your second round pick to, to take a significant step and be a significant contributor. It, it felt like a couple of times last year it looked like he was going to turn the corner, but then the consistency just wasn't there. Yeah. And he had some nice games and, and such, so hopefully he can take a next step and be a more dependable part of that defense. And he told us he put on some weight. I think he said 11 pounds, 12 pounds. He, he wanted to put on, you know, the, the, the muscle weight but not – you know, but not really impact his his speed and all that. So we'll see how that works. But I, I think the important thing with him is he's going to be on the field more. He'll be out there with Quiddy, and as much as they like to, and as much as they will rotate, this guy is going to be out there. And you're right. At, at some point, you got to do it. Mm-hmm. You can't keep having. Well, you know, this. You know, as again, his rookie, it was this reason, and last year it was a lot of things. This is a year that he really needs to step up and, and be a constant factor. I don't know what that means, whether it's eight sacks, ten sacks, I don't know. But but be a difference maker at times during a game. And they drafted he and Quiddy Pay one two for a reason. Mm-hmm. And this is a year we need to see that reason. The um like we we've said this on this podcast before, just the importance of of rotating defensive linemen is is crucial in today's NFL. And like, if you're looking at Shane Steichen, where he came from in Philadelphia, I know his, he's on the offensive side of the ball, but but the Eagles, again, did that, and they've done that for years. They've had wave eight, after eight wave. guys easily come in. Like, even, even though they have Javon Hargrave in the middle and uh, Hassan Reddick on the edge, who are both like 12, 15 sack guys, they still rotate. But they're just really efficient at what they do. Why are they so efficient, Matt? Because they rotate all the time, and they're fresh and when they're coming them in. Fresh legs, exactly. Makes a big difference. So, so like, so you hope that uh, you can benefit this group from that as well. And Dio can be fresh when it's late in the game, and you have to attack that quarterback when it's in the fourth quarter. You either have to go grab that lead, or be, uh, or, or protect your lead by going after the quarterback, well, like it, the Colts did for years with Freeney and Mathis. It, it's at Minnesota. Get, yeah, that's the thing. That's get, the game get, that comes get back two to, pass man. Rush. Get, get two pass rush on, on any plays. Again, make the plays that make differences. I'm not saying Dallas. That got to be a snowball thing. But Minnesota, for crying out loud, when you got the lead, the quarterback should be under constant duress. Mm-hmm. Constant. And there were so many times last year when that wasn't the case, even though this team ended up with a, a ton of sacks, what you think, really? Really? I, I, I they don't, did? I know, I know. They can pressure the quarterback. What? So we'll see how the you know I, I, you kind of like the makeup of the line, but they they've they've essentially traded Ngakwe for Samson Ebukam. Ebukam, and I I always prefer to have to know that this is my guy, this is my number one. He's going to get me come hell or high water, twelve or thirteen sacks. Right. And then you've got the great complimentary players. Well, these guys are doing more. Of the sack by committee. Say so everybody's a complimentary player. Right, which that means you don't have a guy. Right. <laughs> you know, I prefer to have a guy. But but at least they've got, I think they've got really, really good depth, proven depth. But we need to have a couple of these guys step up and, and be that constant. Quit, quitty kind of shows you things. And then he's got a nagging injury. Mm-hmm. So it's really important, as I said, for Quitty and Dio to really step up and and be catalyst for that pass rush. Quarterback coach Cam Turner, defensive backs coach Ron Milas, anything special from those two? Or were you just caught in the uh, the gravity pull of Reggie Wayne for the entire time? I, I was caught in the Reggie Wayne. I, <laughs> I, talked, I talked to Cam Turner for a while with the group, and he's one of the guys that's a really great guy, good experience, but they're sort of guarded in what they're saying now because what I was curious about is in – he just gave me the generic because you got two. You're preparing your offense for two quarterbacks who are different. <laughs> They're just different. <laughs> and I'm not saying this like Michael Vick in Atlanta, and then who's your backup? How drastic it is, but you do have to kind of tailor things to where the offense works with both guys. But we'll see because he's going to be one of the more important guys for this team this year. Not Richardson, mm-hmm. yes, Richardson, but Cam Turner. Right. They're going to work together every day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but uh, no, I, I didn't get a lot of great things from him because I spent more time with Reggie. So guilty there. That's uh, that's completely understandable and and forgivable. 
this time. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> some more quick hits from the Colts this week. Uh, Cato June has been nominated for the NFL Coach Accelerator Program, which is intended to increase exposure for diverse coaching talent. It's chosen based on head coaching potential. So our, our boy Cato, uh, from his uh, from his time roaming the, uh, the the linebacking core here from years ago to uh, to being the he was just an assistant linebackers coach last year, right? Reggie was the only one who was full wide receiver Correct. coach of the corner players. Okay, so and he's and he's he has worked his way up Cato has oh I yes. mean was it like 10 or 12 years I mean he went back his first thing was was it AD at his high school or was it football coach but he's been three or four places and done that's the way normally it's not like Reggie it's quote-unquote the right way is, is, is the uh, the, <laughs> and, and the word it, you use the phrase you use and that's not no, not you use the, that's not a knock on Reggie no who, who no. stepped in and who, who right certainly away. deserved that right away based but, on but his Cato's, credentials he's done the, the grunt work and that's how you really learn what it takes and is he a head coaching material i don't know but but he's done it the right way and he's a great guy he's got great interaction he was like with with reggie and cato and was it mike mitchell yeah where they they played and they they can relate and it's just invaluable so good luck to cato i i I appreciate matt's uh, note here that he gave us that uh he, he coached at the high school and college levels which makes him more experienced than some interim nfl coaches that is a uh, that is uh, that not, is his name's not on here. No, it's not. But I, I think I know who who you're referring to. I'm not going to go down that. I, I think hole. that was that was a Didn't very. Think we need to go down the no, that, hole. No, but, but that was a know, very clever nice addition. Yes, the we, we, we welcome you to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. <laughs> that type of uh, that type of attitude is always welcome here. Um, let's see. Oh my papers uh, folding. Uh, Isabel Diaz has been named the team's first Harriet P. Ursay Fellow. She'll serve in a coaching role and work primarily with special teams. Has previous experience with Oklahoma State and was an undergrad assistant for the Dallas Cowboys defense. The Harriet P. Ursay Fellowship Program, named for Jim Ursay's mother, is intended to increase opportunities for women in football operations and in coaching as well. I remember a couple of years ago, um, when the Buccaneers were in the Super Bowl the first time when they won the Super Bowl and they had a couple of uh, women on their staff and Bruce, um, uh, Bruce Arians was asked about it and he's like, I didn't hire them because they were women. I hired them because they were the best people for the job. And, and that's what the NFL is trying to do, create more best people for the job through stuff like this, the Harriet Ursay uh, Fellow Program. And, uh, and the Colts will be part of that here with uh, yeah, with, with, with us. And there's no better champions for that than a Bruce Arians or the Colts, and, and not to be homerish, but th- these guys are all about opportunities, whether it's you know minority head coaches mm-hmm. with Tony and, and, and uh, Jim Caldwell or, or assistants and – you know, it, it, it and, and it helps to have three daughters be co. What are they? CEOs, whatever their title is, and but they're involved. They're, yes. they're heavily and very involved. involved. Yes, and it, it kudos to those guys. And you know, Ursa doesn't need his back pounded on too much, but they do things the right way. Roku will produce a documentary on the NFL draft in partnership with NFL Films and Skydance Sports. That's the same production company that's responsible for Air, the latest movie about Nike's pursuit of Michael Jordan, which I just Have watched last that? night. Yeah, is it, it's is on, it good? Yeah, it's on Amazon yeah, Prime it's now. Good. I watched it's, it's, it this it's not a too. basketball. No, see, not at see, all. I want, I, want, I want to take my wife to see it. I see it would probably be a lot like Moneyball as far yeah, as... Yeah, I'd say it's like that. Yeah, yeah I'd say that's a good... Good comparison. Yeah. Good comp. So, good. yeah, if you enjoyed Moneyball, that's it's similar to that. Yeah, I like, like, it's good. Uh, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, uh, Chris Tucker is always a funny guy uh, film. Um, like, Michael Jordan is very much, like, I wouldn't even call him a minor character <laughs> in like, this. Did we hear him speak maybe two lines? Like, yeah, exactly. Two <laughs> words, maybe. That was it. Like, everything else was his mom and dad. And, and one was a phone call that was even off screen. Right. So. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was enjoyable. Um, yeah, Ben Affleck is Phil Knight. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, I thought really he was really it. good. Yeah, exactly. So the documentary uh, specifically here is going to talk about really four teams, like the Colts uh, with their selection of Anthony Richardson, the Panthers with their pick of Bryce Young, the Dallas Cowboys, because, of course, the Cowboys and their selection of uh, Deuce Vaughn, who was the son of longtime scout Chris Vaughn, which is a great story. I'll give them that. Moment. Fine, fine, fine. We'll, we'll give it to you. Yeah, if exactly. it had just been, not been Dallas. I know. Some other team, Dallas. right? And then the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, who had 13 picks uh, in this entire draft. So those are the four teams they're really going to focus on. No release date yet there, but uh, that's something to look forward to. Uh, there, there's never enough content with the NFL, Mike. And uh, like I was just thinking the other day, 
with the uh, the NBA draft combine um, that I mean not combine the NBA draft a lottery that was just held. Like, how would the NFL do a draft lottery? And like the 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 NBA does things okay, but the the NFL would up the production so much more. And they would probably break it into like a two night event if, if they could. But I, I was just thinking like I, I watched the NBA draft lottery. I'm like, oh, this is fine. This is interesting. But it just wasn't at the level of what the NFL does with some things. I just uh, it, it was something that was kicking around in my head, just the production it, value it, that could go up. It somehow felt anticlimactic, mm-hmm. the, the draft lottery uh, for the NBA, which should not be how it should the case. Feel. No. Yeah. It well, should they, build kept, up they kept to, rattling off the, the teams and the numbers and the guys just sat there. Right. You know, if, if, you know, if you were like number eight or nine or the Pacers at seven, I, I might have smacked the table. Mm-hmm. But, but it was just different. And again, I tweeted it out and I didn't know this. I guess I was an idiot, but that, that was re- recorded. Right. And, and there's, um, Kevin Bowen tried to tell me why, something about having to recalculate it, whatever it was. But I thought the fact that it was canned was strange the problem was the it's too complicated the way that they do yes. it i understand why it's complicated yeah, yeah. but it's too complicated to make it a quality production for the fans to get them involved and and like i said i understand why the process is what it is because it works that way but it's just it's just not a fan-friendly experience which is the exact opposite of everything the nfl does now it becomes fan-friendly is, is the nfl i've said this many times and i mean it not to a fault but no organization company is better at PR and making events than NFL. I mean, they make, you know, the draft, the combine, but the schedule. I mean, it, it, it's an all-day thing as far as leaking out. and well, It was two days because they, they, right. they mm-hmm. announced some of this stuff the day before. And at some point, you know, the only offseason for the NFL is after – after minicamp and whatever it is, June fifteenth or sixteenth, you're down. You're dark for about four weeks. At least you hope to be dark. And for four they're weeks. gonna try to do something because they don't like to be dark. Right. They just don't. Because normally the only thing that happens during that dark dark time is bad. Mm-hmm. It's a guy being arrested or whatever, or failing a drug test. So I'm surprised they haven't found a way to fill that dead time. David, uh, Roger Goodell needs a breath. Needs to take a breath sometime, I guess. So that that Amazing. might be it. But, yeah. but again, they're, they're great at that. Yep. And, and one one other thing, it's it, we haven't listed our own news. How about Pat McAfee? Wow. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't point. know if you guys want to talk about. Yeah, that. for sure. That's yeah, fine. Anybody, and there probably is some. Has anybody bet on themselves stronger and hit the lottery twice, three times? <sighs> I, in the sporting world, I can't think of one recently. Like he is, it, it's amazing how he had his mind at least wrapped enough around an idea that he so believed in that he was ready to pursue wholeheartedly and leave a very productive NFL career. Now I know that his knee was in bad shape, and he, but after he walked away from year. five or six million dollars. Exactly, but like, you're right. He, he did it because you can get it right and still keep playing if that's what you right. wanted to do. And I say get it right in quotes here, as I'm making air quotes that nobody can see as they're listening to this podcast. That's great radio, Dave. So, but but yes, but exactly to your point, he he had an idea, he bet on it, and he has succeeded incredibly. And I, I'm I'm thrilled for him because he was always a great guy to to speak with in the locker room. Um, never had a bad interaction with him. Um, was always uh, willing to share, even as a punter, his his opinions, which which not every, not every punter had the right to do across <laughs> the NFL, but but he did because he was good enough and he was friendly enough. Oh, he and was he got awesome. along with everybody. I can and, still remember all the times we had talked to McAfee in the locker room. I looked over and Adam Vinatieri is just shaking his head. I can't <laughs> believe you guys are talking to a punter. Yeah. But but that that's McAfee, and he, he was he was larger than life. And whether or not people. And, and I'm sure there's a segment of the public that aren't really into that type of show and, and approach, but he's tapped into it mm-hmm. and he hasn't really changed. Now he's going to have to. He's going to have to button it up a little bit. For well, ESPN. I was thinking more for for FCC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So you don't drop a few words you shouldn't. But he's smart. He's good. He's going to you know he's he's what is it WWE? He's involved with mm-hmm. college football. So. Mm-hmm. Kudos to the guy because again he bet on himself, and 
it worked. It, uh, it is still working. It, I believe that he'll be able to. If if whatever ESPN asks him to do, buttoning up wise, like I, I think he's smart enough to be able to do it because he's. He spoke to us forever, and whenever he was on TV, yeah. he, he didn't say anything that was that was too egregious at the right. time. So, like, he has a filter. He just it, it doesn't not come to naturally he, to him. And, to and, use and he it. doesn't have to use yeah, it on exactly. YouTube. I, I, exactly. And I, I think it'll be fine. I, I really do. Um, so I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm looking forward to watching it. And I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes from here because it's it's been nothing but up. rocket shit up. Ship yep. up. Rocket ship. Ship I, up. Excuse me. I remember me. when he... It, made his Heavens. Twitter handle the Pat, Pat McAfee show and people were like, what's that? What are you doing? Yeah. You know, after he retired and it just, like you said, he bet big on himself and it just keeps working. Yeah. So good job, Pat. Yep. We're happy to see him succeed. And, uh, and Hey, uh, promote the Colts blue zone podcast when you're out there. Maybe he's a big fan of the Colts. Blue zone. Who, who knows? But, uh, but anyway, um, that, that's, that'll do it for us really this week. Um, like I said, uh, OTAs are next week. Uh, we'll have plenty more content coming for you from uh, from Colts headquarters over the coming weeks. Uh, we'll get into some of our, our yearly uh, banter about most important Colts, uh, newest Colts that bring the most value. On the spot. Or exactly, all that, all that, all those kind of things. Uh, most important or uh, biggest uh, breakout candidates like Ashton Doolin was for me last year. Who didn't. How did that work out for you? Well, I, I blame the offensive line and quarterback uh, who couldn't well, get him the ball. But everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're blaming everything on the offensive line. Exactly. I blame everybody but myself, really, for, for that pick of Ashton Doolin. <laughs> and I don't even blame Ashton Doolin for that because he's my guy. He's my pick. So anyway, uh, we do appreciate you listening. You can uh, download, subscribe, get us uh, delivered to your podcast listening device as soon as we drop, whenever that may be during the summer. We're going to be flexible between Wednesday and Thursday here for the rest of the year. The cold schedule is going to be a little bit of flexible, so we're going to kind of uh, – bounce around with them as well um if you're in central indiana we hope you uh you enjoy these indy 500 days that uh, i will certainly be out there at the track for for a bunch of that chap is glad he doesn't have to be out there anymore as as, as enjoyable as it is as an indiana guy maybe it wasn't always as enjoyable working it and i i get that for you, you. You're, you're a 500 guy how, how, this is a tangent tangential thing we can have a tangent how do they get that the painting the the things on the jjp marriott carefully that's cool. It is. It's really cool. Whether, whether it's the, the, the Lombardi Trophy or the NCAA brackets or this, it's amazing. And mm-hmm. it's cool. I, I just don't know if they put on, if it's, you know, I don't know what you call it, but like placards, like tiles. I don't know, but it's pretty cool. I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, no. But uh, pretty it, cool. it would be cool if it was just a giant banner that they just stood at the edge of the building and they unfurled. Yeah, just, no, I, I think it's a little more intricate <laughs> it, than that. It's right. much more intricate. Like than I that. loved when they put the bracket up there when all, oh, yes. all the tournament was here. Oh, I mean, that, that was, was awesome. it was incredible. Kudos to yeah. whoever does it. Yeah. So uh, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe they'll put a giant horseshoe up there when the Colts are twelve and zero entering Week thirteen, <laughs> uh, going to uh, going to what's uh, entering their bye or coming out of the bye. And uh, we'll just be ready for the the home stretch of the season. Hope springs eternal. Hey, we appreciate you all listening. Thanks for uh, your patronage. And we'll see you next week for Mike Chappell and Matt Adams. I'm Dave Griffiths on the Colts Blue Zone Podcast.